This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to Pine Cove Summer Camps for supporting Made for This. Pine Cove is a Christ-centered, life-changing investment in your child's future through a week of outdoor adventure and fun with a purpose. Check out pinecove.com and use the code JENNY250 for $250 off of first-time overnight youth camp registration. And now, here's Jenny. You all have heard me many times talk about my little cohort where we share our guts out every month. And y'all have seen pictures of this crew. It is, I know. I mean, I've literally had people say, you need to stop sharing about them because it makes us jealous. We are so blessed to have each other. And Tony Collier is one of truly my soul sister deep friends. Like we we are doing life together. We don't have to catch up when I pull her on the podcast because we know everything. Like we were texting this morning somehow. But you all are about to be blown away and blessed. And one thing I hope that this podcast does over and over again is, is it it introduces you to people that maybe you haven't found yet. Many of you know Tony. You've met her at If. She's often hosting. Many of you have followed her for a long time, but a lot of you haven't. And so I want you to go follow Tony Collier, go read that girl's heart and everything she shares. And I want you to get her new book. It's called Brave Enough to Be Broken. And it is the, it's really your soul. Like you have had a ministry for a long time called Broken Crayons. And this is your life story. Like this is, this is what God's done with you. So talk a little bit, just big picture about what the book, but really what your life has been about and why you care about this so much. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have to go through the Rolodex of trauma and pain and abuse that I've been through, <laughs> but it has been a lot. Like it's been a, a lot, lot. It started when I was just a little girl. And I, I think I just hit this moment when I was 24 years old, where all the trauma caught up, right? Like you numb for so long and you do all the other things for so long. And then you stare pain in the face and you're like, okay, like I'm ready to take you on. And I think it was in that moment that I felt my most vulnerable, my most shame filled, um, my most inadequate. I just, I was like, God, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can use all of this. Okay. Like this is a lot. And it was actually in that place, in that Valley that God was like, Oh, watch me do my best work. Mm -hmm. And that's where all this came from. It was like broken crayons, still color. God can still make beautiful things, um, from broken things. And as a matter of fact, he does his best work in the broken places. And so that's what the book is about. It's about pulling up our bootstraps, looking pain in the face and saying, let's go. I'm going to heal from you. And so that's what it's all about. I mean, y'all, there's not a better cheerleader in life than Tony Collier. There's nobody more fierce. Like if anybody's mean to me, you better watch out. Like Tony might be coming for you. Um, she, she is a I got, fierce. I got a nervous just now. I was like, no, who said what? Who? I'll, I'll take him down. Yeah. <laughs> there's nobody you, nobody you want more in your corner. However, I'm telling you, I've heard it all. Like I know what you're breezing by. And it reads like Paul, like when he's like, I've been shipwrecked, tortured, like it, it reads like that. And so when, you know, I, I do think just to understand, like she has been through abuse, a divorce, like I, I think just naming some of those things would give people like context. Like it wasn't just bad hair days. Like, let's, let's go there. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go then y'all. Okay. 
So when, when I was just a little girl, unfortunately, uh, my mom had a massive stroke and it left me really vulnerable as a child. So I didn't really have, you know, protection around me. And my counselor would call it parentification where you kind of become the parent. So taking care of a sick parent when I was just eight and nine years old left me really vulnerable and open sexual abuse and manipulation by family members, lost my virginity to an older man at 13 started trying to numb with drugs and alcohol. I ended up leaving my parents' house at 16, putting myself through college. Some nights that I do not remember in college, some nights I do. And it was filled with alcohol, drugs, uh, eating disorder. I suffered with bulimia. Um, ended up getting married at 19 Whew! instead of going to law school. And that situation, as much abuse does, leaked into that marriage. And so doors ripped off the hinges, hole punched in the walls. And then I had a little girl in that marriage and decided to get saved. And I wanted to change my life and landed myself in an abusive church environment, spiritually abusive and manipulative. Um, and then 24 rolled around and I was like, that was a lot. Okay. And I really need some help. But more than anything, I had a daughter and I owed it to her. Even if I yeah. didn't have the security or confidence in myself, I owed it to her to start healing. And so I started a healing journey at 24, ended up remarried, brought a lot of my baggage into that marriage, my sweet husband, poor thing, and just restarted my life. And I'm still on the healing journey, but that just names a few girls and boys. Yeah. And I want to say, I don't ever want to get over how hard that is to even hear. Like, girl, I am, I, I just... I feel, this is what we've learned with Kurt, I feel proud of you. Mm. I feel proud of the woman that you have become in spite of everything that you have been through. Mm. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. And yet there's this life and this spark in you that is incredible. So talk even just about that. Like where does that come from on a regular basis? Because a lot of things you named, I mean, you're still co-parenting. You're still... You know, there's a lot of things that, that didn't just wrap up with the bow and are gone, right? Yeah, it's a lot of them, okay? There's a lot of anxiety here still today in my story from all of that. There's a lot of uh, shame that I have to fight daily with, you know, being a, a person that like has some sort of influence in the kingdom, but like having scars, like real wounds and scars, divorce and a lot of club nights. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm about one picture, one tag picture on Facebook away from losing everything, okay? <laughs> um, you know, so there's just that shame there of my past, but there's also hope. Like, and that's the thing, like, that's the thing that gets me all choked up. It's the thing that makes me cry. It's the thing that made me write the book. There's just hope. Like, I just have this childlike, naive faith that things can get better. That's what yeah. I hope is that I've seen miracles. I've seen a mom who is on her deathbed. I've seen a mom who couldn't walk and then could walk and has so much life in her today. I've seen a marriage crumble and be ended and there just so much hatred and anger in that to now, you know, a somewhat rocky, but, but good and healthy co-parenting situation. I've seen redemption. I've tasted it. And so the light and the spark is that I know it can get better for me, for it, for you, for anyone. And I'm just like, yeah, I could probably jump off a building and God would catch me. I'm that's the point I'm at. Okay. I'm like, I'm good. He's got me. And yet all of this yeah. is part of what's driven you to try to help other people. It's almost like an obsession. Like you have to help other people. It is beautiful. And at times, like right now, sweet girl, let me just give y'all a little inside scoop on Tony. She has a new baby. She has an eight-year-old daughter. She has a full life and ministry and job. And so the reality is when she gets to a place where she can't 
help people, it's like a dog in a cage. Like you, <laughs> you're like, but I have to, like, I can't leave them there. It, it literally feels like you're rescuing a part of yourself that is out there in the world and nobody's rescued before. Talk about just that passion and where that's come from. I just mean, almost every time you ask a question about this topic, it's, it, I get the chills. Like I literally am just yeah. like, my kids are sweating. I'm just like, this is good. But I don't, I still remember eight-year-old Tony. Like I remember 13-year-old Tony. I remember 24 divorced, broke yeah. on WIC and food stamps, drinking coffee for breakfast and lunch. Like I just, I can see her. I can feel her. I've just not forgotten. And that's what God calls us to, right? To remembrance. And I think for every second that I remember those really, really hard valleys, I know that there's a woman there now yeah. as well. And I just can't leave her there. There's just, I'm like, but what if I didn't, you know, go to on a trip with, with you and Jessica Honiger and Ruth Joe Simons and see other women live full in Christ? What if I didn't get to experience counseling because I didn't have enough money to do it? What, what if I would still be in the Valley? And that pains me. It keeps me up at night to think that there are women in valleys and, and really they have no way out. And some of the most hopeless moments of my life is when I didn't think it could get better because I didn't see it. There was nothing tangible there. There was no one. Ugh. And those are the moments where we question our life. Those are the moments where I question my life. And I'm like, if I can be a little bopping guide, a cheerleader in the valley of another woman's life, like I, I don't know what else there is. I don't, I don't know what else there is to live for, right? Like my family and the women that deserve someone to say, me too, me too, come on, me too. I want to stop and just and make a point that everybody doesn't miss this. Some of you are listening to this and you are that woman and you are going, give me the resource right now. Like I need to get the book. I need to help me, Tony. Like, and then some of you are the women like Tony that are in a place where you go, gosh, I've been through so much. And that bleeding heart you have for people that have been through what you've been through, whether it is an abortion or the loss of a child or the feeling of walking through a divorce and feeling like judged in the church. Like some of you are feeling like I need to help people. Like I've made it to the other side. And I need to help people yet. And I have met you and I have heard you say it. You have disqualified yourself for those very things. I mean, I remember my kid's first grade teacher. She was an older woman with a lot of margin and she was lonely. Her kids didn't live close to her. And she looked at me, she read Restless and she looked at me and said, I can't serve and love other people because I've been divorced. Mm. And, I was like, and that was decades ago. And I'm just going, so I want to speak to both of you. And I know Tony would too. Like this is, this is for both of you. It's for the person in the middle of it that, that needs the help. And it's also for the person that's going, I've been through this and made it to the other side. Y'all, there are people that need exactly what you've given them. And Tony, that's what you've showed me and done. It's just, I can walk through all of this and, and just sit down and go, well, life's oh, like, this was so hard and just try to survive. Yeah. Or there's something redemptive in giving it away. There's something redemptive in helping other people. So talk about even how that's healed you further, like to help those women. Well, you know, what's interesting, Jenny, is that, you know, we're all pretty familiar with the grief cycle, like the five points of grief, denial and anger and sadness and all the different things. Well, maybe about a decade ago, they added this like sixth step of the grieving process. And it was living a life of meaning. It was taking all of the pain that you've mm -hmm. been 
in this like, grief cycle. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it, it's, if you look at the chart, it's like the grief cycle, it's circle. And then there's like a little cleft off the side. Cause it, it kind of ejects you out of the grief cycle when you're in a really healthy place around it and gives you meaning and purpose. And that comes from taking all the pain that you've been through and being able to reach back and say, Oh, me too. Let me show you how, let me show you how to make it a little bit easier. Let me show you how to sit in the pain and not let it crush you. And I think that for many women who were just like, man, am I ever going to get over this? Like many men too, am I ever going to get over this? Is it, is this going to consume me for the rest of my life? I think the real question that we should be asking is how can God use this? How can God use this? What can I do to reach back? And again, when we've gotten to a healthy place, because we've all seen the people on Instagram and Facebook that's spilling their guts out from a bitter place. And it's weird. Okay. It gets awkward <laughs> for everybody real quick. Okay. Right. Don't try to help people too fast, y'all. <laughs> it's like, okay. I think there's still a little anger. I think you still got a little anger there. <laughs> so, but when we get to, to stable places, to I like to call them hope-filled places, when you can take your pain and be hopeful about it, then I think we have the opportunity to reach back and live a real life of meaning and purpose. And that doesn't mean exhaust yourself. It doesn't mean wearing your pain as a badge of honor. What it means is saying, look at what God has done. I have the confidence that if he did it for me, he can do it for you and he'll do it again and again and again. And the humility that he'll use me to spread that message. Was there ever a time that since like walking with Jesus that you did disqualify yourself in your head? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, not only did I disqualify myself, but I ejected myself essentially out of Christianity. I was like, it's over. I'll never work for a church again. I'm divorced. I'm a little ratchet. I'm a little wild. I'm kind of drinking a little bit. And this was after I had been a youth pastor, gotten ordained, was speaking in schools. I get a divorce. I transition out of this, this church. And I'm like, it's over. Like my ministry days are over. And it's so crazy because I get a random call. This is what happens, right? Like you disqualify yourself and God's like, watch me work. And I get a call. Someone's like, Hey, we're wanting to have someone come in for a brainstorming meeting at North Point Ministries. Do you want to come in? I'm like, Nope, I'm done with the church. And it really was self-sabotage. I wasn't done with the church. I just felt that they were done with me. And so, because I believe that and they, meaning they, God, they pastors, like they're all done with me. It's okay. And God was just like, no, bring your behind here. I go to that meeting. I end up connected to North Point and no, I still look back like, Lord, how did you do this? Like what, what is even happening? I still wake up every day and I'm like, Lord, don't let me mess this up. You know, I'm a little wild and <laughs> just like, watch me work, like watch me do what I do best. Um, and I, I think that, you know, we've all been there in some ways. I think the key is for us just to not get ahead of the redemptive work of God by self-sabotaging and discounting ourselves. Guys, Jenny and I are such a fan of summer camp and think that it has so much value because of the spiritual impact that it has on your kids, on you. I personally love and trust Pine Cove because I worked there for two summers in college. And so I got to see Pine Cove and the way that they do summer camp up close and personal. And I cannot say enough about it. Pine Cove hires college summer staff that are just some of the most amazing human beings on planet earth. Like as a counselor, we didn't just babysit and sit off into this 
distance. We were like in the pool and just investing in the spiritual and personal growth of each child that we had in our cabin that week. Your kids will get to build authentic in-person friendships that will last a lifetime and just a beautiful, solid foundation of gospel truth. Pine Cove is a Christian camp with over 50 years of experience. They are bringing Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun counselors and activities to their locations in Texas, Georgia, and South Carolina. Start a new summer tradition for your child at Pine Cove this summer. Check out pinecove.com. Use the code Jenny250 for $250 off a first time overnight youth camp registration. I've been reading the Bible from the beginning, and it's a it's a X-rated novel. Like everybody was so jacked up. And I can't even, I mean, it's so bad. I'm like, oh man, like if this, and again, I want there, I also want to put in a word for there is accountability and there is there are times that we submit to church leadership we don't just throw off our you know whatever and say oh we can do whatever we want because we'll be forgiven like that galatians says may it never be like that's not how we're t- what we're talking about the, we're talking about this this idea that when something in your past is crippling you to where you think it no longer can be purposeful if you're in the middle of like i think i might want to get a divorce you need to submit to Christian counselors. You need to submit to Christian community. You need to submit to, you know, hopefully healthy church leadership and make sure, you know, that you've got the wisdom of God flooding that. I want to be clear on that. Yeah. What would you add to that? I just also want to say this because people don't know this about my story a lot. In the transition of divorce and, you know, transitioning a church, I took six months and, and that was like a church leadership decision. Like, hey, you just got out of a divorce. It's been, it's already been six months. We think it's wise for you to take another six months off stage. And I submitted to that because I wanted to be in the healthiest place. And most people don't know that part of my story. They're like, oh man, God redeemed you. You bounced back. Now you're back in ministry. It's like, right. no, I had my doubts and I needed to question my own faith and submit it to the cross and then bounce back. So I just want to say that that's real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we all are... We I, we definitely are in a place where we're pushing off all accountability, and that is not how Tony has lived. I'll just say that. Like she has chosen it. She's chosen it with some crazy people like me. Like we we're in deep. So that that is not what we're talking about. But I do believe that God can use you wherever you are, whatever you've been through. And that reconciliation process is a part of that. And that reconciliation process is not just so that God can you know all of a sudden bounce back into your life and now then you can be used. Along the way, God is going to put you in people's lives to help. I've watched that with my sister who has walked through a very, very messy, difficult divorce, a very sad situation. And then as well, now she's raising a child that was diagnosed with Down syndrome. And and really the bigger complication is all the medical issues. And I'm watching her minister as she goes. So I'm actually going to ask you a really tricky question here. When are you ready? Like what, what's the, because I'm watching her share and so many people are coming along, but she's still hurting. She's still in therapy. Like what, what's that point where it feels like, you know what, maybe I can share about this with people outside of your, your closest people. Well, here's what I love about your closest people. I think that you need their voices too, for confirmation and affirmation on when you're ready. That's good. Yeah. So I I think there's a foundational posture. I always talk about this posture. I think it's a hope-filled posture. There were moments in my story where I couldn't share about some things because I was still very bitter, very hurt, very angry, very broken in those areas. 
And if I would have talked about them, it just would have been ugly. Yeah. It would have been ugly. And so being self-aware, being someone who's like, who's tr- trying my best at least to like look inward all the time and look at my actions. There's moments where I'm like, Mm-mm, I can't share about that publicly. Jenny, there's still parts of my story that you know, that our group knows that I do not share publicly. I'm like, mm, we can't talk about that. There is even a book, a whole book I wanted to write about something, but because I'm so aware, because I've got accountability with my counselor, because I'm seeking God's voice every single day, and I'm willing to submit my questions to God and to my closest people, I've had to say no to that book. I'm like, we told her to say no. Oh my God. Like, I'm like, no, I'm like, but I, but I hired a writing coach, but I've got a whole book outline. Like, but I I have to write this book. And it's like, no, sweet girl. What you have to do is submit your whole entire story to the Lord and you have to flow within his timing. And he's put trusted counsel and community in your life to help you make those decisions. And I think we just don't want to ask, like, is this crazy? Like we, we never want to ask the question, like, am I, am I going too, too fast? Is this a little crazy? What's it like being on the other side of me? Those are questions we should get used to practicing so that we know when we are a little crazy, when it's not time just yet, and what it's like being on the other side of us. And I think those practices are just healthy and needed, especially now when people just saying anything on social media, okay? I want to hear, you know, the book's been out for a little while now. I want to hear just what you've heard from people. Oh, man. it It's really been awesome because... You know, at first, when you write a book, you want people to be like, oh my gosh, you're brilliant. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, these words are just amazing. Look at what you did. Oh, I I, I even thought about like people saying, man, how many words? Man, you were like 60,000 words. That's like all flesh, okay? What I've actually been hearing that's been meaningful is this changed my life. Yeah. The, I, I feel brave enough to heal now. I'm going to my first counseling session next week. Th- those are the responses that should be the most important and have become the most important to me. And it's been beautiful because it has been nothing about what I did, how many coffee shops I sat in to write this book, how much, you know, how much energy it took to actually live this story. It's been about women and even men feeling empowered to go and live a life of healing themselves. And and I remember telling the publisher, they're like, what's your goal? You know, they're like, do you want to hit lists? Do you want to do this? I'm like, I would love to see more holy healing people in the world. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I want more than anything in the world. And that's what it's been. I mean, people are like, I just finished my first counseling set, like proud of themselves for doing the hard thing. And it's just awesome. I think there's people in the world that have stuffed the difficult things that have happened to them and act like they're happy. Or maybe they, to some degree, have stuffed them so deep that they think they really are happy. And then I think there's people that are are broken and they walk around kind of knowing they're broken. Yeah. I want you to cast a vision for a better way than those two. <laughs> you know... So I'm I'm from Texas. Okay, shout out. All right, best state in the world. All right, we've made some crazy decisions, but who cares? We own it. But I, I'm like a go big or go home kind of girl. You know, I'm like all in or not. I'm like, I'm gonna like kill for you or you're dead to me kind of girl. And I've had to change that about myself when it comes to healing, when it comes to pressing into pain. I've had to find this like complex, messy middle, and I hate it. But it is in the middle when we start to believe that hurt and hope can coexist, 
that God will sometimes give us the strength to move the mountain or he'll move it for us or give us the strength to climb it. And so I think for the people that's like, man, like I, I want to go on this healing journey. I want to press into pain. I want to figure out if there's a better way. I, I just think we have to get better at sitting in the complex middle of sometimes not knowing what it looks like, of sometimes going into a counselor's office and not liking our counselor and being like, hmm, this isn't the one. Like just the complex middle, it's not gonna be step by step. It's not gonna be one thing after the other, but there's gonna be detours. There's gonna be valleys. There's gonna be pain, but there can be a whole bunch of hope right in the middle of it too. And that's what I just, I wish for people is that they, would sit in the complex middle. And I, I even, even if I say it, I say, oh God, you're such a hypocrite. But I'm like, that's been the best times of my life. Yeah. I've sat in the middle. Well, I don't think it's easy for anyone. And something that brings me great hope and comfort in this is Pilgrim's Progress, because basically the dude becomes a Christian early on and he falls into pits and dungeons and he just keeps messing up and it keeps being hard. And I think that actually is a great picture for life. Like this isn't like one day you're going to arrive on the road and you'll never fall off the road and it will soar and you'll be great. It seems to me that you are going to continue to do this. And what Tony does well is teaches you how to do it well, to struggle well, to not just struggle, but to do it in a way that I love what you said, holy healing, to do it in a way that pleases God and that is, is hard. It's not easy. It is not an easy road, but it does, it does bring healing. Yeah. As we leave, I give, I, I'm just thinking too of the people. I mean, I'm thinking of who's listening. I'm thinking of my kid's first grade teacher who I love so much. And I just don't want people to miss all that God has for them. Mm. Give them a little prayer and a little just commissioning as oh. we finish. God, I get all teary on this part thinking about the first grade teacher, Jenny. I think the one thing I needed to hear about my dreams, about the things that I really did believe since I was a little girl was in me that I thought was over because of everything I'd been through. The thing I needed to hear was God is kind. He's not like the God at the end of the tunnel saying like, clean it up, get your little stuff together. I'll be down here waiting for you. He's the God that leads the way through the tunnel. And he's so kind. He's so kind. And he He's with you. He's the God of, as our friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson says, he's the God of withness and closeness, and he's not leaving the room. And I just pray with every fiber of my being that when it gets hard, that when it feels like the pain will crush you, that you remember that there's a kind God gazing at you saying, watch me work. Mm. Watch what I can do yeah. through all of this brokenness and allow him to do it yeah. and find you and redeem you. We are big fans of Tony Collier around here at the Made for This podcast. She is a dear friend. If you've been part of If Gathering in the past, you've probably recognized her, but Listen, do not sleep on her new book. It's called Brave Enough to be Broken, How to Embrace Your Pain and Discover Hope and Healing. You can get that everywhere books are sold. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes as well. And we hope to see you guys again next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Podcast.